Good day, everyone. I am Matt Harrison, and you are listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Geary's out there. It's now three games undefeated for Malaga as they drew 1 1 with Tenerife this past weekend. But were there any causes for concern in that game, or should we still be basking in the glory of mid table mediocrity and hopefully safety? To look back at our Tenerife game, I have my usual Geary casters, Chris Marquez. Chris, how are you doing? Hi, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. I know we've got quite a lot to talk about with the Tenerife game later, so I'm looking forward to hearing some of your views as always. And I'm oh, excited, yeah. I, I thought you might be. And also we're joined by Alex Ashmore. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing well, thank you. It's a nice, lovely, well, the sunset's just about to come up and well, there's been no rain all day and it's sunny in Exeter, so wonderful. Excellent. Tell, tell us something about your light, uh, Alex. Yeah, so in my room I've got an energy-saving light. So when you turn it on, it's quite dark, but then people may know if they've got some at home, it gets lighter after after about 10, 15 minutes, it gets to full brightness. So you have to turn it on you know, before you want to use it. Horrible. Excellent stuff. And speaking of things being brightened up, we'll also be looking forward to our game against Cartagena with a Cartagena fan called Jordan of the FC Cartagena UK Twitter account. So that will be good. And we hope things continue to get brighter for Malaga there. But as always, we will start with the news and what's going on in the world of Malaga Club de Football. We're not playing at La Rosaleda this upcoming weekend, but there is a game going on at La Rosaleda. Um, Chris, Chris, who is frequenting La Rosaleda this weekend? It's Turkey versus Norway, or Norway versus Turkey. Yes. I don't know who's playing the home game. I think it's uh, Norway at home, I think. But we have, yes, we have a qualifier for the European... Uh, I think. No, it's a World Cup qualifier, actually. It oh, is, World yeah. Cup? Yeah. Wow. It's the, More importantly, Erling Haaland's coming back to Malaga. Yes, he is indeed. Um, and I, I, I had a weird dream about him last night, actually. I should, I should explain that really quickly. You know, I sent a jokey tweet about, because he's in Marbella at the moment, because uh, Norway are playing in Gibraltar. Tomorrow night, we're recording on a Tuesday, so I think it's Wednesday night they're playing. And I had this weird dream that he didn't reply to my tweet, but he emailed me a ticket for a game in Norway, like to watch Norway play. And like I had an e- like an email address for him. And I woke up about four o'clock in the morning, like thinking, you know, when you're still half asleep. And I was like, yeah. am, I, am I going to Norway with Harland? And for like five seconds, I was like, how oh, cool's that? And then I was like, uh, can I travel to Norway? Is it? And then it took me about ten seconds to go. Wait a sec, that must have been a dream, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, but I, I don't remember dreams very often. But that one, there was more to it than that. But I, I remember being very excited having an email off him saying I could go as his guest or something. So um, anyway, who, who's our favourite? Because Norway are the home team at La Rosaleda. Does anyone have any favourite Norwegian players? Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Alan. Yeah, I think everyone likes him, don't they? He's fun. I think he's the best. Um, okay, maybe Norwegian people will hate me, but I think he's the best Norwegian player of football ever. 
big call already there. Um, certainly the most like exciting prospect, you could say. Um, Alex, on this podcast, because I'm definitely a Haaland guy as well. He's not my favourite. I'll tell you my favourite in a second. Um, people who follow me on Twitter will probably know my favourite. But on this podcast, are we Team Mbappe or Team Haaland? So Chris has put his put his you know put out for Team Haaland. What about you, Alex? I think because I study French, oh. I've got to go with Mbappe. Okay. So, but I think my my favourite Norwegian player because of my links to Madrid is Martin Odegaard. Oh wow! Now Arsenal. Yes, you've stolen my one. Basically, he is mine as well. I, I when I moved to Spain and I started watching Spanish football. Uh, I, that Real Sociedad team last season, certainly before the lockdown, was just amazing to watch. And I'm, I think he was the player I got most excited about watching on TV last season with his little flick passes and stuff. To the extent, you know, when you're like you're a little kid and you try to copy skills and tricks the players you like do. Um, when I was yeah. playing football on Fridays, I was always trying to do these sort of Martin Odegaard sort of flick passes and sometimes they'd come off quite often they wouldn't and it was against uh, it was against six it formers. Was <laughs> always easy for me always easy for me to recreate my favorite footballers tricks because they were yeovil players so it's either <laughs> miss a penalty or you know play a bad pass i didn't really like odegaard playing he played in holland i know he's a big player now but he played in holland um for Heerenveen. yes and it just wasn't it he couldn't like really be the best player of Holland, which is quite easy. Yeah, he's to be because the players in Holland don't have that much quality because Spain and uh, and England buy all the good players from Holland. That's yeah. a bit of the problem of the Dutch league. Um, so yeah, yeah, he started sort of relaunching himself there, didn't he? Though because he did well here and then. I remember. I didn't watch him. You might have watched him more than me, but from what I've read, he did well, and that's why he went to Real Sociedad. And I think he surprised people how good he was there. Um, really quickly before we just focus too much on Norwegians. And then, does anyone want to give any love to any Turkish footballers? Since you know Turkey are going to be here too. I uh, give a shout out to Munir, who is in in Turkey. He's not wow. Turkish himself, but he is playing for Hatay Sport in Turkey. Really, so I think. Although it. the way he left the club wasn't too, you know, wasn't the most liked of ways by the fans. I do think he was the reason why we were the best defence in the league last season. Of, One of the reasons. Of, of all the Turkish players you can name, <laughs> you you choose a non-Turkish player. <laughs> well, I, I, I do like Hakan Çanakoglu as well, the the master free kick taker. Yeah. Okay, mine's That's easy. Good. I'll say mine because it links to my last one again. It's it's another real Sociedad player um, who went on to play at Villarreal. I love Nihat, Nihat, I love Nihat. When he played with Darko Kovacevic for Real Sociedad, it was just fun. So my answer's easy there. I don't even have to Really? Nobody's naming the king of Turkish football? Go on then, you're going to name him for us. Fatih Tekke. Okay. There you go. Fatih Tekke, do you want to, give, uh, do you want to explain why? Great player. I think he's one of the best Turkish players from the history. There you go, Fatty Tekka. Um, should we get on to talking about a little bit of Malaga stuff? There's mm, sort of a quiet week. Um, we, like I said earlier, we are recording on a Tuesday. Um, tomorrow, Javier Tebas is in Malaga, not at uh, La Rosaleda, 
in, I think it's the Malaga Institute of Sport or something like that. And there's a meeting between the Andalusia Hunter and the Club Employers Association. I don't really know what about, but there is going to be some sort of press conference and people think there could be questions about Malaga. So, you know, by the time you listen to this, Javier Tebas might have said some things about Malaga. So to find out what them things are, check out the at Pod Twitter feed or the Sport Direct Twitter feed. And yeah, there might be some interesting things. There might not be. And if there's not, you know, apologies for making you to making you go look for that sort of news. Um, if you're if you're interested in uh, in in Spanish football Illuminati, if there is, or in, in football mafia, um, yes, sure, Tebas, very interesting. He's yeah. like the blotter of Spain. <laughs> yeah, we, we had this conversation briefly last week or the week before, I think. So, um, yeah, you, you can you can do your own research on Tebas. He's yes, also if you character. like dictators, then uh, Tebas is a good guy. <laughs> Um, let, let's go to good guys. Let's finish the news bit with um, two good guys for very different reasons, I suppose. Let, let's start with, um, we're obviously going to talk about the Tenerife game in the next section, but there was a nice moment uh, just before kickoff where we got to see the bench at La Rosaleda. And uh, what is so special about the bench at La Rosaleda now, Chris? Um, from now on, the dugout of Malaga Club de Football We'll have the name of Joaquin Pairo, the Madrileño um, coach, who is probably the best Malaga coach in the history of Malaga CF. So since 1994, he is the best Malaga coach Malaga had, uh, most definitely. And there are other great names like Tapia, um, Pejicer, uh, loads of other Great coaches, but he probably is the best coach Malaga ever had. Great stuff. And yeah, there's a really cool little um, little image they've got of him wearing a hat, if I remember rightly, as well, isn't it? Like sort of um, like a silhouette on the bench. Uh, Alex, anything you want to say about our new bench? It, it, uh, you know, it's all nice, isn't it? I think it's a, a wonderful tribute to a legend. And I, I think I like it when football clubs do this. Obviously, Sponsorship's a big part of the game these days, and you know money is plays a key role in the naming of most parts of the stadium. But I think it's nice that they've named this dugout after him. as a It's a nice touch, and I think his family will appreciate it. Well, I hope they do. Yeah, we, should, we well go on. to talk a bit about him because we can say his name and then go on to the next subject. But he, he, I, I remember him as a young kid. He. Uh, He's the coach who took Malaga from Primera División for the first time after uh, they, the, they started again as Malaga CF. Uh, he was the first coach bringing them to from Segunda to Primera División. And he is the coach who uh, got to, the, to win the Intertoto and played in Malaga for the first time in Europe with Malaga. So... Yeah, he's a great guy, um, and he did it with players who nobody knew. Who nobody knew. So, like when Pedicier came, uh, Malaga had players like Van Nistelrooy, Cazorla, Monreal, uh, Tulalan, like players who already have proven themselves. Julio Baptista, Roque Santa Cruz, but um, Pairo 
worked with uh, players nobody knew. So it wasn't it, it it even weren't great players. He just made a team of it and uh, booked great successes with Malaga. Yeah, great stuff. And we should add in the part of the reason why uh, <coughs> this bench has been unveiled this week. It's because I think it's the one year anniversary of his death. I think I'm right yes. in saying yeah. So that's why. Um, you know, they obviously wanted to find some way to immortalise him and that seems as cool a way to do it as anything, I think. Um, yeah, going away from Malaga, you know, Malaga legends to people, you know, still building a career at Malaga. Uh, Mahias has been in the news today. Um, an interview's come out with him. I think it was in El Desmarque. I, I'm going to double check that, but certainly I read it on their website. Um, Alex, I believe you're a baseball fan. I think Chris said you had an interest too, and you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants. Um, what That's has this got to do with Mejias? So I read the same article, it wasn't El Desmarque, and he said that, well, I believe the, the story goes that he had an offer or some sort of scouting from the New York Yankees, so one of the biggest teams in the, in the Major League Baseball of all time. So he, he could have gone down that route for you know for his career, but he's now in, he's now playing for Malaga. So quite the quite the juxtaposition of sports and size of clubs, I think. There. Yeah, and um, I I've, I think I've said on here before. I'm currently it's a really really long book. I'm reading a really really long book about Venezuelan football, and all the way through that, it talks about how mad the country is for baseball and how football is only now getting close to challenging it. So I can imagine there's probably a few of our Venezuelans that have come through the club. I can imagine a few are probably former baseball players or baseball fans at least. Uh, Chris, any interest in baseball? I think you commented earlier you quite like the Dodgers. Yeah, I had um, American friends when I was a kid. So uh, like my best friend was an American guy. And... um, they learned me and told me everything about baseball. And um, so I took interest in it. We played it a lot. We watched a lot of games. And um, they supported the LA Dodgers. So, yeah, that's how I got into the LA Dodgers. So in another life... A lot of South Americans do like baseball, actually. You get the Dominican Republic, Cuba. It's very popular in South America. But it it has a pretty sad side as well. Um, I once watched the interview, I think it was on Vice, I don't remember, about baseball and um, South American players. It's it's pretty sad. It's a pretty sad story. Okay. In what way? Just stories um, of poverty? Dominican and... players trying to get there. It's just, I, I, I don't remember it very well, but it's like mafia and, and all horrible things okay. included. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I know the sort of way this story's going. So, um... We'll we'll try and we'll try and wrap up with a more light-hearted question. So this got this got me thinking earlier. Um, if a Malaga player could play another sport, for example, if Mejias he could have ended up being a baseball player, what player do you think could have ended up playing what sport? Alex, have you have you had a think about this? It's a good question. I did have a think, and obviously you you always lean towards the first one, or I do. You know, the tallest player, he's going to probably be, you know, fit for basketball. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm trying to think of maybe maybe someone like uh, Hicham could be a, a track 
the track runner, maybe a 200 meters or 100 meters, because he's a very quick player. So you maybe lean towards someone like uh, Juan Soriano playing in playing basketball or Ichan playing track and field. Okay, I, I, I'll go, I'll just get mine out of the way here. Then I went through a similar thought process of you, Alex, but I went a different way. I just thought Iskasi a wrestler. He looks like a wrestler. <laughs> he looks like you could could imagine him in his in his speedos fighting Triple H. Um, I was trying to think of a good name for him, but I haven't thought of one yet. Iskasi sounds like a tough wrestler, anyway. So um, I, I'm going to Iskasi as a wrestler. Chris, any ideas before we wrap this bit up? Yes. Um... It's about Ben Kemasa. <laughs> I think he, he might be good in curling. <laughs> Any reason? Yeah, because it doesn't include a ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. D- did you literally sit there trying to think of what sports didn't include a ball before answering that? Um, I first thought of a player who I don't want to see on a football pitch. Okay. <laughs> and then I thought, uh, and then I came up with Ben Kemasa and then I thought, well, um, yeah, he shouldn't, he, sh- he shouldn't be playing with the ball. So my only thing there is, I associate Curlin with being quite careful and calculated, and I, I don't think he is. That's my only worry there. But um, that yeah. makes that, that makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, okay, fun to watch definitely. But then you could argue if you want to see someone do a sport badly, then you may as well let Ben Kemasa be a footballer. But um, sadly. Uh, he's playing yeah, for Malaga. I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind him being a footballer. Uh, I might be him being a footballer at Malaga. Fair enough. Well, I'm sure we can get in a bit more Ben Kamasa chat in the next section. So let's let's head over that way and look over this action-packed Tenerife game. The last time Malaga played Tenerife, we lost, and I named the podcast Tenerife because they gave us so much grief. We only we did draw this time, but I know some people have had certain issues with the way we played, especially in the second half. Now, I'm not really going to say too much more at the start here. I'm going to pass over to Chris, who has some pretty strong <coughs> words Strong negative words, apparently, from the owner of Sport Direct Radio, <coughs> Kiko Garcia. So, Chris, um, I believe you've translated his words for us, so I'll pass over to you. Yes. The refereeing performance at La Rosaleda has once again pilloried, pilloried public opinion, the very low level of rage in the national football, an image that is much more deteriorated before their blatant incompetence to use the tool that was supposed to help them be more fair. Sede Tenerife's goal should not have gone up on the scoreboard. Other referees say it and it in it and in the supposed case that the referee had not seen it. It should have been the VAR that corrected the error to the Riochen Braid. It is very is that very thing that makes the controversies rise much more. Before, when the referee made a mistake, the famous human factor was always resorted to that famous phrase. If the strikers who earn millions fail, won't the referees fail? They no longer have that excuse. 
and that is why they fail from the VAR room in order to justify their incompetence with human errors. Machines cannot fail. The images seen from the tranquility and without the tension of the party cannot be deceptive. Hence, when plays such as those of the Tenerife goal are not arbitrated, the staff gets angry. Polemics are created. Conspiracy theories uh, to the fourth millennium are sponsored. The respect of the refereeing body is being lost, as they are less and less credible. To all this, we must add that the tyranny of La Liga of Javier Tebas in the pure style of Caudillo has focused on stopping any controversy with the performance of the bridge, th threatening and punishing any protagonist who thinks something contrary to their interests. The gag law in national football established by that chief with a post in a political formation as undemocratic as Fuerza Nueva, of which he was a representative in the media, was also professional head of the ultra-right youth force in Huesca at the end of the 1970s. For the youngest, Fuerza Nueva was a political party founded by Blas Piñar as a counterparty to the recent death of dictator Francisco Franco and the beginning of the transition, founded in 1976. The intention of the training was the continuation of the political principles of Franco dictatorship and the fight against democracy. True to the totalitarian ideas and seeking to eliminate the action of its political rivals for San Nueva used violence as a tool. With these bases, does anyone doubt that it's logical that their tendency is that there's no freedom of expression? This is our football, a miserable state of continuous coercion in which the benefit is always for them, while for the little ones, they are always the crumbs and who are threatened with the most bloodthirsty pseudo-mafia tactics. A league for those who have the most and who continue to crush those who aspire to be something bigger. The most capitalist ideal ideology put at the service of the same as always. Written by Kiko Garcia. There you go. So some very, very strong words there from Kiko. Um, uh, a strong attack on VAR there. So um, I think, should, should we make our way through the game and then return to the VAR situation, which I can imagine, well, I don't know, it's not really a VAR situation, I suppose, is it? It's a refereeing decision at the end of the day. It's the lack of VAR, perhaps this time. But um, yes, I, I think, think it has a lot to say about Tebas and this, um, about VAR, about the refs, uh, but also about how... Um, in a democratic country like Spain, uh, Tebas is um, acting like a dictator because players, clubs and coaches are not allowed to say negative things about a ref or something that the ref did um, because if they do, they will have 3 to 12 matches uh, there will be three to twelve matches banned from uh, matches. So, okay, yeah. So, um, 
Yes, we believe um, the referee as well regarding this decision. I think you said earlier, Chris, is, uh, po- could possibly demote, be demoted from the Segunda games coming up, maybe, I believe, yes? Yes. So, And I, 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 don't, I don't think it's only this match. Um, I have some cool stats for a, a bit later. Okay, let, let's go back to the beginning and perhaps more positive elements of the game. Um, first of all, starting 11... Um, Sorry, Arno keeping his place again. Um, you know, he seems to be back in the front running seat for the goalie spot now. And uh, I think the only other change really was Jairo coming in for Joaquin Munoz. Um, Alex, any any thoughts on that starting 11? Anything surprise you? Perhaps the Jairo starting? Yeah, I think maybe the... I think the addition of Hydro was a good thing. I think we talked about it a lot last week. Whether Joaquin Munoz was he, you know, in a bad run of form, was he maybe lacking fitness? And I think players like this, he's obviously we're paying him to play as a, you know we're paying him a salary. We might as well play him every now and then and see if he's going to do something. And I think you know he he didn't do too badly. I can't say anything you know superly super positive about what he did, but I didn't think he did much wrong. So. You know, all in all, I think a positive inclusion. I think they're good to stick with Soriano in goal. I think maybe it might be it might be time to keep a run of games for that keeper. I think maybe it does show sometimes the mistakes that that the keepers make. That you know, maybe they need that consistency. But then we know that it has worked quite well this season, keeping both players on their toes and switching them in and out. Yeah, you yeah. Suppose the goalie situation. I can't remember. Yeah, it's not really caused us too many issues, really. I think towards the start, maybe we were just a little bit more confused than anything, but uh, we've got used to it now, and you could argue both goalies have done well, so let's keep it going. Um, We'll go back to the start of the game then. Um, You just talked about Jairo a little bit there, Alex, and I agree with you. I thought he had a really bright start to the game, actually, which I think he did fade as it went on. But um, Chris, what did you make of the way Malaga started this game? I won't lie, when I saw the lineup and I saw Jairo, I thought, and then, you know, you don't have to use the beep this time. <laughs> um, and then when uh, the match started, I saw a very active, very good uh, Jairo. Yeah. Yeah. Very good start. So, yeah, there was yeah. even, there was one bit, wasn't there, in the, I think in the second or third minute where he, he dribbled down the right and put in a good cross and yeah, he looked good. Yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I uh, Malaga started okay. Yeah, but then after the goal, it all changed for me. Yeah, so let, let's go straight to that goal then, Chris. So um, we we seem to be getting a bit of joy down the right wing, and I think Alexander gets played in, puts a lovely cross across, and our man Luis Munoz is there again. Now I forgot to double check this today, but I know it was Pedro. Um, with the assist. It was Jairo, was it? Apologies. I, thought, I yes. couldn't remember. Apologies for that. But then the assist, has the goal been given to Luis Munoz now? Because I saw it given to him and then I've seen it given as a I think goal. at the end it did, but mm-hmm. the um, commentator on YouTube, um, yeah, changed yeah. it a bit halfway the match. Okay. No, because so I, I, I actually thought on first look it was an own goal. But I think, and in a way, I still think it is. I sort of think it. the guy came in so fast, he hit the ball into Luis Munoz's foot almost more than anything. But, I'm, you know, 
I think we'd all rather see even the guy that scored the own goal, if he did score the own goal, we'd rather see the attacker get given the goal, wouldn't we? So um, that was pleasing to see him get on the score sheet again. Alex, any any comments on the goal? Well, I think it was a well-taken well goal. I, I liked the attacking move. I think it was a wonderful pass back. And yeah, like you said, Heidel, that sort of encapsulated the first maybe 20, 30 minutes of his performance. I think he was fantastic. And you know he was able to get that ball back in behind the defence and pass it back across the penalty area. And I think, you know, that I think we need more of that, you know, quick attacking plays. And I think we do well when we're on the counter and we, we stretch teams. And, well, Howdell seemed to have done that and seemed to do that very well in the opening 30 minutes. Yeah, and I think Chris has sort of alluded to it already that maybe he wasn't happy after the goal. But I thought actually the first half, and actually I'd probably say the whole 90 minutes, I think... I think it was a really quite entertaining game, actually. I can't say I really enjoyed the last maybe 15 minutes where it looked like, you know, we were hanging on a bit. But I thought it was quite entertaining. There was um, Tenerife had that crazy chance in the first half where it was played over the top and they volleyed it against the bar. And I don't think offside was given. But yeah, it was quite back and forth. But Chris, you know, without go perhaps getting to the goal, you said you've, Think things sort of fell apart a bit from the Malaga goal. So what 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 was going on? Do you think? I think um, we gave Tenerife too much space um, in uh, on our own half, um, and I think we created too little because we didn't create much. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we actually gave the the match away and we started defending a bit. Yeah, I'd agree with we didn't create much. I think Romani was uh, particularly, it was quite quiet in this game. Not, again, not through lack of effort or anything. It just was one of those games that wasn't coming off for him. I think Jairo, as the game went on, disappeared a little bit. Um, Alex, any sort of comments on the sort of the end of the first half? How, how do you think Malaga were playing or maybe what went wrong? Did anything go wrong? I think it was, again, maybe a dip in concentration. We've had that a few times this year. I think we seem to go through really good periods of play in the you know first half an hour and then seem to dip off as the, the end comes comes nearer. And I think that might be just a case of switching off a bit too early. We think we've got this in the bag. Let's get to the break or let's get to the final whistle. And quite a lot of... I'd be interested to see the stats, but I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the majority of our goals are conceded in the last... You know, either ten minutes before half time or the last fifteen minutes of the match, because it does seem to think it does seem to be a common theme that we have that dip in concentration, which is obviously you know it's hurting us quite a lot this season. Alex, I've got some stats for you that might answer that question for you. It's not exactly what you asked for, but I can tell you of the thirty-four goals we've conceded this season, thirteen have been in the first half of games and twenty-one in the second half of games. So. I think you're right there to perhaps talk about concentration and and again maybe Chris does have a point with something he was saying last week in regards of maybe going defensive isn't a good idea or I don't know you, maybe we would have conceded more goals if we didn't go defensive it's it's a tough one to work out but um, yeah the first half there wasn't really much else there was I think Matos made a bit of a balls up of something and recovered um, uh, sorry Arno. Before we talk about the goal, I think he had the really weird game because 
in the first half, he was punching the ball a lot and really, you know, dodgy keeper sort of punching the ball a lot. And in the second half, some of the saves he was making were absolutely phenomenal. Um, did did anyone else? Great. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, there was one or two punches from corners and I thought, oh, he's been pushed there, but he hadn't been. They were just bad punches. But yeah, there was two... Two saves. I think one was in the like seventy third minute. There was a header, if I remember rightly, and then there was one a bit later on. But yeah, he, he was brilliant. And um, let, we, I know we like talking about Kaya Quintana as we go into the second half. He had a very good chance. Um, Alex should he have scored the chance where Malaga put pressure on their defence and he sort of got the right side of the defence and well and hit it up their goalie. Really, should he have done better or? I think so. I mean, you always get, you'll always question. I think in the moment, it's hard for strikers. You know, my my striking ability is nowhere near the, what K is. is. <laughs> and I think it's easy for us to say, you know, just put it either a meter either side of the goalkeeper and it goes in. But I think when you're in that situation, there's sometimes just that panic to just get it on target, and you know, you don't want to miss it so badly. So I think you know. It's difficult. You you could argue that maybe he, he could have scored it, but yeah, it's I think it's in the moment. It's a bit difficult to say. Yeah, he, he didn't have. I think I think he surprised him how much time he had, and he was quite far out wide. And I think he did try to cross it across the box, didn't he? Instead of shooting, which I think was possibly the right idea. To be honest with you, I don't think he had too much choice. Um, Chris, before we go on to two other quite big talking points, you know, has Kaya convinced you yet, or are you still unconvinced? For me, he's one invisible player who every time he shoots on goal, I know he, he's going to fill it. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's just not good enough. Okay. Yes, I think um, I think we've covered Kaya Quintana in yeah. maybe the last two podcasts. But yeah, I think, I know, maybe not last week, the podcast before, I was a little bit more defensive of him. I, thought, I can't remember which way around, but yeah, he was particularly... Invisible in this game again. Trying, but it's not good enough, really. As in, we can maybe talk about our other striker who got a few minutes um, shortly. But we were winning one nil, and then it went to one all. Um, I'm even debating how on earth do we where do we even begin with this goal? So there's a corner. No, it was, was it a corner or a free kick? I can't remember now. But I can just picture the image at the end of it. So essentially. They score. The ball is two yards from goal, maybe bouncing sort of, I don't know, chest height for Juan Soriano. You can correct me if I'm wrong in this, guys. And the Tenerife player gets in with a boot and pokes it just out of the grasp of Soriano's hands. You know, was it in his hands? Was he? Did he pull out? I don't know. So I'm going to come to you guys first. I'm going to... Um, I think I know where Chris is going with this, so I'm going to go Alex first. Alex, um, should this goal have been given, or do you think there's any fault for Soriano even? I think it's difficult because obviously there is that you know there's the area of uncertainty. Is is it dangerous play from the striker putting his boot in there? Does Soriano kind of re, you know hold back a little bit? And, you know, could he have really gone full in, and maybe that would have emphasised the dangerous nature of the play but I think it's hard for the referee to go off just that decision so I do think it should have been looked at on the on the technology and if it from a from a personal point of view from my point of view I do believe it should have stood and I think they made the right decision I think it's 
allowed for a strike. It should be allowed for them to, you know, put the ball, you put the foot in and, you know, challenge for those sort of plays because otherwise we get a lot of times where, you know, the striker could possibly get the ball, but because the goalkeeper is protected, and I do think goalkeepers are protected quite a lot in this game, that maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't allow for those chances to happen. So I do think it was the right decision made by the ref. Okay, um, before I go to Chris and that he can perhaps talk about why VAR didn't intervene, it seemed. But I think I've changed my mind on this goal quite a lot this week. And initially, I, I sort of was with you once the emotion had gone down a bit, Alex, where I thought, actually, if, if that's a Malaga play again, his toe on that and scoring up, up the opposite end, I'm probably going to be thinking, well, what's wrong with that goal? The only thing I was thinking about when I saw photos again yesterday was I think the reason he's got away with it and it could have been a foul was that because he's like falling backwards and he's almost like it's like a sort of high slide tackle almost, isn't he? Sort of like he's not maybe got that impact he would have. I think he gets away with it. Whereas I think if he's standing on the other leg and he just kicks his foot in there and like volleys at it, I think the ref would have given a free kick. But then, I don't know, Does that ma- should that matter? I think the fact he's falling down a little bit <clears throat> or he's heading towards the floor makes it look less of a foul and he gets away with it. And there is a part of me who thinks Soriano should have still, you know, people say it's dangerous play. He could have, it's literally his hands could have stuck in. But yeah, as I've the more I think about it, I think I'm going towards. I think it's a foul now. But um, yeah, I think if I watch it again tomorrow, I'll change my mind again. So I'm going to go to you, Chris. First of all, why, why, why is this not a decision for VAR? Um, it isn't a decision for VAR because, and I have to look it up again um, because it's one second. Um, bu- 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 because it's a dangerous gambling action such as the one validated by Ocon Aris as, Aris as a tying goal for Tenerife do not appear in the current VAR okay. protocol as they are interpretive. Okay, so essentially the reason it doesn't go to VAR is because there's like a, a subjective decision to be made where there's no... It, it's a grey area rather than a black and white area, I suppose. It's um, up to him. To decide yes. if foul. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. But um, I will give you the answer because um, a lot of it has been spoken about in Spain. They ask every, almost every referee in Spain has been asked about this situation and they all say that it's a foul. And even the committee of the Spanish Referee League. Um, say it's a foul and they don't understand how this goal has been given to Tenerife. Um, and that's why Con uh, Arais, the ref, um, is in Spain they work with a, a promotion and demotion okay. system. Okay, maybe we would call it a relegation system then. Re- I know we spoke about Relegation that system. Okay. It's like the same as football. Yeah. Um, if you if you uh, if you're good, you go up a league. If you're bad, you yeah. go down a league. Yeah. And he got himself in relegation zone at the moment. Okay. Um, and um, they also talked about um, 
putting him in the refrigerator, like in the fridge, as they call in Spain. Okay. Like like freeze him, yeah. so he can't play any, so he can't be, uh, so he can't do any more matches this season. But that's impossible because they don't have enough uh, referees in Segunda. Okay. So I, I just I, can I just one quick question before I get your view. Did these referees say if they were so certain that it was definitely a foul? What was their reason? Yes. Was it seen as dangerous play or dangerous play? Okay. Yes. Okay, that's uh, that would make sense then. Dangerous play, and and at the other uh, end, um, when the player falls. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, um, Soriano has no other option than jump over him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if not, he would hit his legs. The person who um, is attacking. What's his name? I don't know. Forge, Forge or something. Um, yeah. Else it would be a tackle because the ball goes underneath. Uh, Soriano. Okay. If you look back at the goal, in my opinion. Okay, so um, I, I'm guessing your opinion is, though, Chris, you, you think it was definitely a foul then, yes? De- definitely. Uh, dangerous play. Um, because w- if you look back, you see that Soriano has to get his, uh, has to move his arms back, pull his arms up. Mm-hmm. Because if not, the player would have hit his um, hands. Okay. So you see that, I don't know, it yeah. is a foul, definitely. Okay. Everybody said so. All the media in Spain says it is a foul. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's okay. talking about all the refs say it's a foul. The league says, well, the committee says it's a foul. So, yeah. Okay. I don't I don't think there's too much else to say about this decision. I think, I think it, it's, it was, I think it's tougher. I don't think it's as, as clear as, like you just said, Chris, I've read lots the last two days, certainly uh, local Malaga news sort of saying it's sort of a disgrace. And I, I don't, uh, it's, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm annoyed because I can see why it could be seen as dangerous play too. I think it's tougher decision than people are making it out though. But that's it's, just... it's, a, it's a disgrace, you know why? Because uh, do you know how many situations like this did we get this yes. season so well, far? I was just about to come to this, Chris, where I did see... Forgive me, I cannot remember remember the Twitter account, but did you see that thread that someone did on Twitter of all the decisions that have gone against Malaga and you think ah oh, you know. I can tell you it's it's twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Let's we don't need to go through all of them. Right? Yes, 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 we're going through all of them. Uh, Malaga <laughs> uh, match day four. Penalty for doubtful hands of Ramon against Isi, transformed by Rajista attacker himself. Match day 9, Mallorca 3-1, Malaga. Possible penalty by Kufre, not whistled, at Escassi and goal by Rayo, clearly offside. Match day 13, one, uh, Malaga 1, Leganes 2. Very doubtful penalty from Juan de Arnais, scored by Sabino Merino. Match day 15, Malaga 2, Lugo 2. Calle is just sent off, but Carrillo must also have seen the red on the same play. Uh, match day 17, Malaga 1, Cartagena 2. Clear goal, positional offside by up to 5 players at 1-1. The 1-2 uh, also has controversy with a hand from Gallar. Match day 18, 
Almeria 3, Malaga 1. Another clear rival goal out of positional play when the match was 1-1. Match day 19, Malaga 0, Lodonis 0. Ramani sent off more than doubtful considering aggression a play in which the winger did not even see the rival. Match day 20, Albacete 1, uh, Malaga 1. Malaga requested two penalties, one to Joaquin Munoz after a roulette wheel and another to Escassi in the last minute. Match day 21, Malaga 1, Oviedo 1. An Oviedo defender cuts a pass inside the area with his hand and is not simulated for having it supported at the discretion of the VAR. Match day 29, Logroñez 0, Malaga 1. Penalty not awarded to Alex Perez after clear hands shot by Ramani. Uh, and there was uh, something. Uh, oh, and there was also a ghost goal from Luis Munoz. Uh, match day 30. Malaga 1, Tenerife 1, and that's the 1 uh, 1, the goal of uh, I, last week. I think you even missed out the Oviedo handball there, didn't you? Unless I missed it. I no, I, I, I said it. Oh, sorry, I, might, I must have missed yeah. it among, amongst them all. Anyway. Yeah, it's. It's twelve. Yeah, so there's twelve there. There's if you if you go, if you listen through the whole list, they're all there. Can listen back. <laughs> um, I was going to talk about substitutions again, but we're a bit pushed for time now. So um, I'll just throw out a fact because I know we talked about uh, Perius's substitutions quite a lot on last week's podcast. So I think I can imagine views are the same. But I'm going to throw you um, a stat here, Chris, which I think I might have read in El Desmarque again today that. Uh, Malaga, from their substitutes bench, have only got one goal all season, which was Ramon against Fuenlabrada. So, I saw it. Yeah, so that that I thought that sort of supported your point a little bit. But then, but how can you bring on Benkemasa in the seventeenth minute when there's still twenty twenty four minutes to play? I just don't understand the substitutes <laughs> of Benjiser. Well, I think. I think it's partly, because, but I think it's partly, Chris. Again, I don't want to go into this debate again because I think we'll just be repeating ourselves. I think it's partly because we just don't have any other players. It's the squad we have. We got to bring players on. I think. No, you, don't if, substitute Josebet then. Well, that's a different story then. But then, who do you substitute? It's, I I don't care, mm. and nobody. But then I'm fine with no replacing anyone. But this is a young team that are. You know, like he said about Joaquin Munoz, the part of the reason he wasn't playing because I think he used the word he's at his limit. That I think yeah. we have to sub players. We we have to. I think but we would. How we, can he be on his limit when he like goes off every match in the seventeenth minute? Well, he I never don't know. Play, plays a whole match. I don't know. I'm not there on the training ground, but I think I think part of the reality is the why people like Ben Kamasa come on and players that we maybe don't rate is because. All our best attacking players are on the pitch to start ex, with. Ex, 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 explain to me then why Escassi played every minute uh, when he was available. Uh, again, he never taken off Escassi. Yeah, he never taken off Luis Munoz. And look what's happened to Escassi now. So it it goes it, it, exactly. And Escassi's got an injury now, which could be devastating. Like I don't know how bad it's going to be. We can talk about that next in the next part, but. Um, Anyway, you saw what happened. We got the, the, the goal in the 70 something minute, and then you have 20 minutes left, but you have nobody you, you have nobody left on the pitch to create something for you. Yeah, that, that's a, I think that's a different thing to subs, though, isn't it? I think that's more. 
philosophy and you know managerial not managerial philosophy like well, I don't know what the instructions he's given them from the touchline. I, I don't know. But I think in regards to substitutes, they're, never, they're always going to be a bit underwhelming, I think. But anyway, yeah, Chris, but Chris, Chris. Chris really, to, had, there, was, there was 20 minutes left and, and, and you didn't have anyone on the pitch who could create something for you. So I just yeah. don't understand it. And okay. we leave it there. Okay. Let's go on to our Chumbo and Biznagas then. Let's, let's get our Chumbos out the way first. Uh, Chris has already said mine, actually. I know I, know I sort of... Made a bit of a joke recently, but we we didn't lose. I say when Ben Kamasa comes on, we never seem to lose. I, I, not, but he was particularly unhelpful in this game, and he was awful. So he's my jumbo because he just seemed lost. He was particularly bad, and I think he fell over when when they were attacking for the goal as well. So he's mine. Alex, who's your jumbo? It's a difficult one. It's between two players, between Guy Quintana and Yannick Fafmani. Mm-hmm. I think. I just don't remember seeing much from them. I have nothing really negative to say about either of them, but I just don't remember them creating that many chances. We talked about the Kaya chance earlier, but I think apart from that, you know, they were quite inactive. But I'm going to go with Rahmani because I think he he lacked that 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 edge that he usually has, and he he seemed to have it last week, and he didn't have it the week before. So. You know, maybe he needs a, a period, a prolonged period on the sidelines, or whether whether he just needs to keep playing to break through that barrier. I guess that will be up to pay there. But yeah, he's my chumbo for this game. Okay, and then Chris, your chumbo. Okay, you can I thought it might be okay. Let's try and end on positive. Um, Biznaga, I'd say mine already. It's the guy who I'm happy didn't become a baseball player. Basically, it's, it's Mahias. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was. He, he got everything and he, he's looking as the season goes on. He's possibly becoming our best defender, I think. So, um, Alex, your biznaga is Soriano. I think he made a series of fantastic yeah. saves to keep us in the lead. Not much he could have done about the goal. And I think he arguably saved us the point. Right? You know, obviously yeah. they, they did score this up in the air, but I do think there were plenty of other opportunities where they could have scored and beat us by at least two or three goals. So, yeah, he's my big narrow for this game. Yeah, he would be my second choice. I think I, I think I was going to go with him. And then when I look back at my notes, I'd written some negative things down about him until all those amazing saves at the end. So I couldn't remember if he had a bad first half or not. But um, no, so there's a bit of variation there. So sorry, Arno's getting some biznaga too. And then Chris, anyone different? or? Yeah, I gave it last week, I believe, to Soriano. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give him two weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, so I pity a bit that I gave it to him last week. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to Luis Munoz. Okay. There you go. Three different players. Any Anything you want to say quickly about why? Great goal. Our Pichichi at the moment. He is indeed our Pichichi at the moment. And there you go. That was the Tenerife game, um, which, again, it was quite action-packed. Was, um, I think the commentator said... It was a cracker at halftime. You know how these excited these commentators get, though. But anyway, we shall leave that game be now, and let's now look ahead to this coming Saturday when we head to Cartagena. Okay, as always, for the last section of our podcast, we look ahead to the game ahead, which this week is against 
Cartagena. Now, we always try to find an opposition fan and sometimes we sort of think we'll never find a Lugo fan, we'll never find a Mirandes fan, we'll never find a Cartagena fan, but we do have a Cartagena fan with us today. So we're delighted to be joined by Jordan. How are you, Jordan? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. We're, we're hoping you can, you know, we, we've just had a bit of a, a negative discussion about uh, controversial goals going against Malaga, so we're hoping Cartagena can cheer us up, but you you know, you might tell us things that might scare us. Uh, first of all, you're, you're calling us from Blackpool um, this evening, and you are a filed fan, yes? Yes, that's correct. Um, uh, do you want to tell people a bit about filed? Because I'm guessing Chris here doesn't probably doesn't know the story of filed. They've been an interesting revelation in English football in the last decade or so. Yeah, so basically the owner at the moment um, is called David Hay Fallenthwaite. Um, he just met the old owner in a pub and from there they just decided to take over the team. And then in 2015, after maybe six promotions, he set a target to get to the Football League by 2022, which is now not possible because we're still two labels below. Because um, 2019-20 season, when everything kicked off with COVID, um, we were unfairly relegated, some might say. We were in the relegation zone, but it went to PPG per point per game and we were relegated because of that. So, And then this season, um, top of the league on points per game and aren't able to get promoted. So both seasons, it's not been nice to us but I'm looking forward to next season hopefully fans are allowed back in so that's yeah filed basically yeah they've been quite an ambitious project over the last decade haven't they and I was gonna I was hoping you would mention the 2022 thing because I always thought that was quite you know there's a bit of arrogance to it wasn't it but it's, I quite liked it I quite liked the whole ambition of it all Chris just you know I said you wouldn't have heard of filed had you no I never did <laughs> I didn't think you would have they're not but they're, I love the story because the way Jordan says, like, well, six promotions further. And then I think, like, six promotions? Wow. <laughs> That's, like, massive. I know Hull did once with um, uh, four promotions, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Swansea. It? Swansea did it. Swansea did it. Yeah. Hull did it. I think that's Yeovil amazing of English football. Yeah, Yeovil did it. Don't leave Yeovil out. We've got to get a mention for Yeovil. And, and amazingly, me, me and Alex have both been to Files to watch a game. I went to their old stadium, though. Did you go to their new stadium, Alex? I did. It was very impressive. I remember going into the bar and having a few drinks beforehand, and it's state-of-the-art. And mm. It wasn't the best game for Yeovil, but we did get a point. So, you know, I can't complain. It was a lovely trip away. And... Um, like Jordan, we, you know, we were making a joke a few weeks ago that I, I tend to just get my friends on here and I, I know the reason why they support these Spanish football clubs. But I have no idea with you, so I'm looking forward to this question. You are the guy that does the FC Cartagena UK Twitter account. I think it's just that... just to be sure, is it the, the, the Cartagena in Spain or is it Cartagena <laughs> in Mexico? No, Colombia. Colombia. Colombia, Colombia. <laughs> The Spanish Cartagena, you're a fan of, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, just to be sure. I didn't even know there was one in Colombia. Yeah, that, that would have been embarrassing for us. But um, here we go then, Jordan. Why Cartagena? Well, basically, um, so my dad's side of the family, he's got um, his mum and dad, so my grandparents and his brother and his family all live in Mercia near um, mm-hmm. San Miguel, if anyone's ever heard of there. And um, so... 
for a few years, I just watched the Spanish leagues all the way to the third division, particularly Group 4, which is the Mercia region. And for a, a couple of years, I just watched it without following a team, really. Um, but then I decided, after, when COVID hit, I really started getting into it. So I decided to um, go with Cartagena, just because I like the ambition of, uh, well, last season, they got promoted, obviously. Um, and yeah, so I just looked at the Mercia region, who looked at all the teams' history. I looked at Real Mercia, obviously, they had a relatively new ground. Mm-hmm. And UCM, a university team, but for some reason, something drew me to Cartagena and that followed him ever since. Yeah, you, you, you know, we fall in love, don't we? There's no explanation for it, so that you don't need to try and explain it. But as you said, they've been eight years outside of Segunda. They did get promoted last season. So I was going to ask you, um, you know, favourite memories, players or games, but as you've just announced to us, you're still a relatively newbie to the Cartagena scene. So do, do you already have a favourite memory or... Or anything you've particularly enjoyed this season watching Cartagena? Well, um, this season, not really many good memories. But <laughs> I do remember um, I played five-a-side on a Sunday night and the promotion final was on that. And I got all my mates, we were all watching it on my phone after our game, watching the last minutes of the game. So it was good that I just, it was like me and five of my friends, we were just stood there watching a third division game in Spain <laughs> for the playoff final. We had never heard of the teams and the players, but... It really drew me into him, the passion oh. after the game, saw the celebrations. Can you remind me, because obviously the the playoff games for Segunda B all happened round here in Andalusia. Um, who did you beat to get promoted? I can't remember. Um, Athletes, is it Balleras? Ah, yes, it was. Because that might have been the night, because there was one night when me and my friend climbed I up. I think so. Yeah, it was. it was. I think that might have been... Yeah the game I was sort of watching, was it always did the other stadium? Well, basically, just to explain, there was a night where me and my, I went to Malaga for the day before going to Granada, and my friend said, we'll climb up Monte Victoria with some beers, and there's a playoff final going on at La Rosaleda. And so we watched the lights of La Rosaleda. Obviously, we couldn't see the game. And about three or four miles the other way, we could see the athletic stadium lit up where the other playoff final was going on. So... We could see both stadiums, but we couldn't see what was going on. But I think Cartagena was one of those games. I think it might have even been the one at La Rosaleda. So I might have been there for that promotion. And I'm annoyed with myself that I've forgotten which one it was now. But um, never mind. So um, so you, when did you get into Cartagena then? So you watched the playoff final. Did you watch many games last year in Segunda B or, or not? Um, it was, it's hard to... Last, last season, it was... For the Segunda B, I couldn't find anywhere hmm. where you could stream the game, really. Obviously, this year, it was available on YouTube, but now they've stopped that um, for some reason. But hmm. last year in the Segunda B, there was nowhere to watch it. So I did just um, like follow on the Twitter feed and the, the various apps that you can follow football results on. But I did follow them all of last season. Oh, so okay. this is second season following them fully. And um, I'm guessing then, if you've like travelled to that part of the world a little bit, um, have, you, have you been to the city? Um, I've never been to Cartagena, but I have been to two other football grounds in oh, the area. Okay, um, that was last season as well. Do you have you, a particular favourite? You know, um, Murcia. Oh. Yeah, universe. Yeah. I went to there last season. They played Atletico San Lucueno. It was nil nil. It was a boring game, but it was a good experience to go do to you, the Spanish. Do you know all of their players? University. Uh, yeah, the Yukon players. Do you um, know any I, of them? 
Uh, they've got um, an ex-Cartagena player, Santi Jara, and I know a couple, uh, Charlie Dean, because he's English, so <laughs> I know about him. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I know what Chris is trying to fish for here. Do, do you want to explain what you're fishing for, Chris? Yes. Um, in our pl- bonus episode next week, we have um, uh, a Yukon player um, on, on the podcast. We do. Which one? Charlie Ianson. Yeah, that's Charlie Dean. That's the yeah. English one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Yeah, he yes, was at Real yeah. Murcia last season, wasn't he? Yes, and he's changed. Yeah. So, what can you tell us about? Is he a good player? <laughs> Just before we go to Cartagena, <laughs> is, is he is he a good player? Or I don't. I've never seen him play. But <laughs> we he just seems know. solid enough. Yeah. Okay, but we like him because he's got a Malaga link, basically. Which yeah. um, which perhaps we can. Yes, which perhaps we'll keep hidden away for now, and you, you, you'll have to check out that podcast next week. Now, just before you came on, Jordan, um, I realised that I think I almost went to Cartagena when I was in Mercia, not last summer, the summer before, and I didn't. So I sort of Googled it this afternoon, and I was like, it looks beautiful. It looks really nice, um, as do most cities in Spain. But it, particularly, it looked, I don't know, it looked a little bit different to others, so... Yeah, I'm going to try and go when things are opened up. Hopefully, maybe Cartagena can stay in Segunda and can go to a Malaga away game next season and watch them. So I, I hope they stay in Segunda because I really like their kits. Oh, yeah, they are fun kits, actually. I agree with, with the that. The black yeah. and white, I love it. I really love it. So tell us, Jordan, um, you know, are they going to stay in the Segunda this season? How has the season gone so far? Because as we record this podcast, they sit 20th. So what's happening? Well, judging by last night's result against Albacete, if you play that for the remainder of the season, then we deserve to be relegated because it was just bad all round, really. Uh, if you're playing teams, because now they're level with us at bottom, because bottom, they were three points behind us. So if you play how we did against teams around us, then there's no other option than we deserve to be relegated. We have had some good results and we did have a period where I think we went up to ninth in the league earlier on in the season. And at that point, I was thinking maybe we could be the dark horses for promotion, not promotion, but playoffs. But since then, it's just, I don't think we've hit a run of any more than three games without a defeat. It's just not gone very well since then. Yeah, I saw your your tweets last night and I, I, I did quote it and I think I mentioned it to you. You said, um, you used the word spineless. And I thought, oh, if a football fan calls your team spineless, then that that's a nasty one to go with. Um how would you say, um, you said maybe they've lacked a bit of consistency. What what sort of style of play are Malaga going to be coming up against on Saturday? Well, with the old manager and the new manager, the style hasn't really changed. But with the uh, ball, when Borgia was manager, it did seem to be direct to Ruben Castro and let him do the rest. But it does seem now with carry on that it's more of a level playing field between the players. Because obviously Castro is at top end of 30, so he's not really as reliable as he would have been a couple of years ago. But Borgia did try to seem... I mean, he's a good player, gets the goals, but sometimes he's not as reliable as we would like him to be. OK, I was going to come to Ruben Castro shortly, but, uh, uh, well, we'll talk about him in a second, maybe. But I was going to mention to you, I, I did a little bit of digging into statistics this afternoon as well, and I noticed, and you can tell me if this sounds right to you, but Cartagena have the second most fouls in the league, um, which is behind Tenerife, who we've just played, and the third most yellow cards in the league. So 
you know, why the games you've watched have they struck you as a like a physical team, like an aggressive team, or is that a bit sounds odd to you? It's not. I wouldn't say we're aggressive. It's just silly challenges where they're not needed or they do them at the wrong time, and it's just. I think it's more of a discipline where the manager isn't telling them not to dive into these challenges. And we've had, I think it was um, Raul Navas on his debut, a red card. So I'm not sure if it's that the team in general, because if he's coming in in his debut and getting a red card, then I'm not sure what's happened. But it does. We do dive into a lot of challenges that are unnecessary, and that's how we pick up so many yellow cards and fouls. Yeah, and, and let's go back to Ruben Castro then, because I was going to ask you, who is the danger man we need to look out for? And I just thought you would definitely say Ruben Castro, but I don't know, from the tone of what you said a couple of minutes ago, maybe you're, he's not the danger man, or, or is he? Well, he's the top scorer for us this yeah. season, and I don't think there's not many players that have probably scored apart from him. I know a laddie's got a couple who, at the start of the season, he wasn't playing much, but he has come, he's come good towards this end of the season and he's a good player but and he's the captain but so he's probably another danger man okay. and a player I like who doesn't really get played I think he's very creative his centre midfield is Karaskia he was on international duty but I'm not sure if he still is okay. for the game this weekend okay interesting yeah I should add as well you said um, Ruben Castro's your top goal scorer he's also the fourth top goal scorer in the whole league I know he very early on in the season he was leading the Pichichi wasn't he but he's a uh, yeah, he's dipped a little bit, but it's, um, I actually saw him play last year, Ruben Castro, at Las Palmas with Pedri, which now I think about it, it was quite cool, like a really old 37-year-old striker a long time, alongside like Spain's most exciting player. Um, Alex, you've been quite quiet so far. Have you seen any of Cartagena this season? I know sometimes you have these random games you watch. Uh, any games of Cartagena? I have actually, because yeah, I obviously, as I've mentioned before, I have links to Alcorcón. Mm-hmm. I watched a few of their games and I did watch, I think it was over the Christmas period, Alcorcón versus Cartagena. I don't really remember too much of what happened, but I do, I do, you know, from time to time, see how they're doing because, well, my, my favourite player used to play for them, <laughs> Jack Harper, who's no longer there, he's at Villarreal B now. So, yeah, I, I tend to keep an eye. And also, I have seen, like you might have seen Ruben Castro. I saw him play for Betis against Real Madrid, maybe more back in his heyday. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I keep an eye out for how they're doing because, you know, I like to see the newly promoted teams do well. But, um, yeah, but other than that, not really much to report on, Cardano wise. There you go. Do you Alex. understand, Jordan, the, the love uh, from Alex to, um, to uh, Jack Harper? He, he, well, when the new manager came in, he got rid of him. So, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, I, I, know, I wasn't really that impressed of him, but me neither. Opinion. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a running joke, Jordan. Alex always has to find a way to mention yeah. Jack Harper. And look, I've set you up lovely here, Alex. I've given you a chance to talk about Yeovil and Jack Harper yeah. within fifteen minutes of each other. Um, just on the off, actually, one player I did want to mention quickly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've got it mixed up with someone else. But when I looked at your team sheet, and you've got uh, Pablo de Blas, Blasis, the Argentinian, which I think Malaga were linked with earlier in the in the summer, were they, Chris? I believe so. Because yeah, I remember we, he, link, we have linked, been linked to every player in, yeah. the, in Spain, I believe. But he had a good spell. At, I'm, I'm, I can't get. I can picture him. I can picture what he looks like, and I can picture the shirt. And I think it's Ibar, but it could be Levante. I always go them two mixed up, but I think he was at Ibar and he was quite impressive. So 
I don't know if he's been playing. Has he? Do you know if he's been playing, Jordan? Pablo de Blasis? Yeah, he's, he's been playing. I think he's probably played every game since he was signed. Okay. Yeah, left midfield there. But again, it's he's brought quite a few players in the new manager. De Blasi is one of them, but none of them have really jumped out to me as impressive as the ones that he got rid of. Because I think he's, he must have had an overturn of 14 players in or out. And the ones that have come in, I wouldn't say are much more impressive than the ones that he got let go. Okay. And, and just on the off chance, um, we always see, we always ask when we have opposition fans, have you. Have you seen much of Malaga this season or have you ever been to Malaga or have any general thoughts on our football club? I've never been, but I know people that have. One of my friends, um, is, you think he used to or still does follow us him a little bit. He's been to a few games. And my mum and dad have been. They say it's a nice place, but um, I do follow because it's one of the bigger teams in our league. So I do look out for how all the bigger teams are doing, like Malaga and Mallorca. And, well, Espanyol, probably the biggest. So I do always look, but I know they're not doing too well, but maybe they will get playoffs. Yeah, good answer. Good answer with the big team stuff, Chris. Chris likes likes ranking big teams, don't you, Chris? No. <laughs> I won't I won't ask for your views on Cartagena. I don't want to offend any Cartagena. Oh, I don't uh, know. Go on. Go I on, just then. I just don't like uh, new teams. Okay. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Teams that didn't do anything in Spanish football, or okay, like teams that that don't say much. Okay. But I like Cartagena. Okay. There you go. I like their kids. I like their badge. (laughs) That's probably as far as my knowledge about Cartagena (laughs) goes. But I think it's a it's a pretty uh, it's a club with a great history in Segunda B. Um. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a pretty historical team, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah, I did when I was saying before about looking through the Mercia team's history. I did look. Yeah. They were obviously they never played in La Liga, but they have been in and out of um, the second division for a few years. And when they do get in there, they do seem to stay for a while. But maybe this year it is going to be different. Yeah, so I think you, you don't have to be a Primera División team to be a historical team. No. Also, like Segunda B, also has like loads of historical teams. And it's also uh, a good competition, a difficult competition to get out of it. To yeah. get promoted to Segunda uh, División is probably the most difficult thing to do in Spanish football. Yeah, I think I think a lot yeah. would agree with that. It's that that playoff is brutal, yeah. isn't it? And and it's going to get more brutal. But again, as I always say on this podcast, any time we get near talking of the league setup of Segunda B and the promotion system, I say back away, back away, it's too complicated, yeah. we'll be here all day. So let's back away from that chat now. Um, Malaga, um, when they last played Cartagena, I think on this podcast I seem to remember us being pretty confident, expecting three points. We didn't get three points, we didn't get any points. We lost 2-1. Alex, any memories of that game? Not really, I think it was one of those games to forget. I don't think Malaga played too well. It was that period of early season where we just started picking up results mm. and we thought maybe we could carry on with a good form and I think Cartagena were definitely the better team. And yeah. I do remember, I think that was the first sort of instance where I was looking at Jack Harper and he was playing on the bench. I believe he came on and obviously a game against his former club. So, yeah, yeah I think a game to forget to Malaga for, for Malaga, but I think, you know, definitely a team that, you know, we're... Obviously, uh, never. Uh, ne- uh, there's never an easy game in this league, but I do think Malaga should be looking to get the win this weekend. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I remember the match. Go on, then, Chris. It had a five-player offside. <laughs> five players were offside. Yes. Of Cartagena, and the one-two has a controversy with a hand from Gallar. Yes, that does ring a bell. Yes, it was that game. Yeah, the, the offside thing was definitely that game, as you mentioned earlier in your long list. I can't remember the handball incident so well, but I have no doubt it happened, Chris. I'm happy to be outraged at refereeing decisions. We've done we've done that already. <laughs> um, just quickly on a little bit of Malaga then, before we sort of wrap things up. Uh, Chris and Alex, uh, anyone you'd like to see come into the team for this game? Because obviously... Joaquin Munoz is suspended, so I'm assuming we're going to say Jairo keeps his place. Um, Iscasi, Chris, what's the news in Iscasi? He's a big doubt, yes? He has a sprain on his knee. Yeah. Um, so he's a big doubt for uh, the match against Cartagena. Um, I think Ramon is not mm-hmm. will be there, and the same is for... Mm, I don't know. Are you missing anyone? No, I think I'd say Joaquin Munoz is the other one, really. Yeah. Um, Alex, who would you bring in for Escassi, maybe, in midfield? It's a difficult one. I think mm. maybe it might be time for Ramon to come back and push into that midfield three. I like the idea of a 4-3-3 with maybe Munoz dropping back as a pivot and then having Ramon and maybe Josabed even further forward than Ramon was. I think Ramon yeah. is still injured. Yeah, I think he might be. Is he? Yeah, I think yeah. he if, In that case, then, I, I would be bold and start David Larubia. I think it's time. You know, these young players need to start playing and, well, now's a perfect opportunity. I don't think relegation is something that we need to be worried about, but we need to give them the opportunities and, you know, the time will come when we need to rely on them. You see, if it was if I was picking this team... Um, with Cartagena down in 20th, although I thought he was absolutely awful when he came off the bench on the weekend. I think Christian, we need to give him a game. See, yeah, he needs to step yeah. up. He needs to step up. And I'm not saying give him a game to sort of, because I think he really deserves it. But I think like we've done with Hosebed, where we've kept giving him chances and now he's delivering. I think uh, Christian needs to step up. Um, so yeah, that is. That, I thought you were going to mention Benkemasa there, Matt. I, I was tempted. I thought, but you know, I said I like him off the bench. Um, and yeah, yeah, let's leave poor Benkemasa alone for a little bit now. Um, just so that game is uh, eight thirty Saturday night Spanish time, and obviously there's a game going on at La Rosaleda that night. Norway v Turkey, quite randomly. So Jordan, earlier we were talking about um, because Norway are playing at home. Our favourite Norwegian players. Uh, do you have any favourite Norwegian players? I know it's a bit of a random question to throw on you. Well, the main two I've ever seen, um, Haaland and Odegaard. Yeah. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. But uh, Since we yeah, had the probably... chat earlier, I did think of one that sort of played in your part of the world, actually, Jordan. I, I thought of Morten Gams Pedersen, who was obviously a hit at Blackburn for so long. Uh, he came to Yeah, work. I do. I do remember him, actually. And actually, now I think about it, to answer your Turkey Turkey question earlier, Chris, they also had two guys. They, they they would be two great shouts in the same midfield, both at Blackburn. Um, I've only just thought of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's um, anything anyone else wants to add about that game, Alex or Chris. 
Not too much. I think I'll just say Arnold Malaga and hopefully we can get back to winning ways and keep this unbeaten run going. Excellent stuff. So Vamo Malaga from Alex. I would like to say, first of all, thank you to Jordan for joining us this evening. I hope Thank you for having me. Yeah, excellent. Well, we, we're trying to get a collection of, you know, it'd be great if we could get a fan from every club by the end of the season. We've grown quite a lot in the last few weeks, actually, finding opposition fans. Like, finding my mate had a connection to Mirandes, that was a random one. And uh, I think, what do you think, guys? I think we've got half the league covered now, surely. I think almost, yes. Yeah. We have one next week. Yes, we have an Almeria fan. Um, yes. If anybody knows any Lugo fans, that's the one I think is always going to be tricky to get. But I don't, we, we keep finding them. It's uh, perhaps so, next year from from sort of February, January onwards. I can I can act as our northwestern correspondent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't count it. <laughs> <laughs> we could need we need uh, Compostela to get promoted. Actually, I didn't even know if Compostela are in Segunda B anymore. Um, I don't know because they were a Premier team when I was a kid. Think they are. Think yeah. they are. Well, I hope they get promoted because I like their shirts. They and one of my favourite goals ever was scored against them. The Ronaldo goal when he does the skips past them and then he puts the camera on Bobby Robson with his head in his hands. Like the goal is so good, he can't believe it. But um, yeah, so again to reiterate, thank you to Jordan for joining us and thank you to Chris as well. Chris, do you have anything you want to shout out as usual? Thank you, Jordan. Um, I hope Cartagena stays in Segunda División. Um, to everybody, like, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, like the podcast on, I don't know where. Really? Um, where are podcasts? Yeah, if you find us on Tinder, swipe us to the right. <laughs> never swipe us to the left. And uh, that's all. Vamos Malaga. Excellent. Leave us a review on iTunes as well. Yes, that's why I was about to throw in Alex. Thank you as well. Yeah, if you do go on iTunes, give us a review. Apparently, that's quite good for podcasters and stuff. And yes, thank you to the three of you. I have been Matt Harrison. You've been listening to the Giri Cast on Sport Direct Radio. Adios and Vamo Malik. Oh,